Stop being a pussy. I would like to find Faith to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by the one and only Aaron from Down at the Crossroads. How are you, my dear? I'm well. How are you? I feel like a stranger, to be honest. I know. It's been a, it's really been a while. Day. A yeah. week longer than it normally is. <laughs> it's all my fault. Well, it's just, you know, it's it's too long is what it is. I mean, I don't, we're speaking now, so it's okay. I got my fix, but... I'm just saying, I if you're my methadone clinic and you're a week late, I'm fucked. You know, that's kind of what it comes down to. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> you're my drug, Aaron. My oh. drug. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it is August or October. I can't remember. Oh, God, I wish it was October. I know. <laughs> it is August, hot as hell, the 17th. And we have a fantastic show for you this week. Well, eh, we have a good yeah. show for you. We're going to shoot it's for fantastic. We're going to start it good, though. I don't want to, you know, some schools, Hmm. this always drove me crazy. Did you have any teachers like this where they'd say, you start off the class with a straight A and based on your performance, you go down to whatever grade you earn. That's just so bullshit. Uh I hate that so much because it just just makes you feel so bad or so horrible when you don't actually end up getting the A that you supposedly started with. It's like a, well, it's it's just a straight up lie. Like you haven't done anything to earn said A, so they're just fucking with you. Yeah, it's that's a psychology true. trick that doesn't ever ever work, fuckers. Well, I bet it worked on some kids. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I have scientific data. It didn't work on any, Aaron. All right, not one. It worked. It worked on me. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay, well, there's always one anomaly <laughs> in every that's study. That's always me. <laughs> Okay, so I, I before we start the show, I did want to say I've gotten a lot of um, good feedback and I've gotten some negative feedback. And I don't want anyone to think that I don't like getting negative feedback. I actually don't mind it at all. It helps me uh, sort of hone the game, as it were, uh, improve on places that I can improve on. So if you ever really just want to unburden yourself and say, I cannot stand this or this kind of bothers me or this should use a little uh, massaging, just let me know, unless it's your cock, because I'm not going to massage that. But other than your cock, let me know what needs massaging and I will massage said nine cents area. Come on. (laughs) No, I just get some people like, I'm sorry to say this, but blah. And don't apologize. It's okay. I don't mind. Yeah, well, I'm the one that is expecting you to listen. So it is not it is not by default that you're listening. You're doing it at your pleasure. So if you don't enjoy it, then you're not going to listen. And if I want you to listen, then I'm going to pay attention to the feedback you give me. 
So don't blow smoke up my ass. Be honest. Um, and it's okay. Honesty is good. Um, okay, so I got some <laughs> I got some heavy shit to lit, to uh, put out here. I don't, I've been debating on whether to do it or not. <clears throat> but it sort of humanizes the show when I do it, and so I think I'm going to. I'm scared. And, uh, if... <laughs> It's actually not funny at all. Um, and Aaron, if you're okay, just sort I'm of okay. sitting sitting down for a second and let me let me oh. unburden myself. I'll shut so, the fuck up. Yes. <clears throat> um, okay, so uh, longtime listeners know that my birthday just happened, uh, and obviously, for a Satanist, your birthday is your highest holiday. It is the celebration of your existence, and being that we see ourselves as our own gods, you are literally worshiping yourself for an entire day or maybe, you know, some people's birthdays last weeks. So, uh, for whatever the time period is, it's a really, really wonderful setup and it's kind of up to you to take it where you want to take it. But the, the central theme here is celebration. So my, um, I just got back from a trip. Uh, we're scouting a new video shoot location down South and which is a whole other story. And, uh, on, on the way back, I got this really wonderful email from a really great friend, a longtime friend, and it, it was a, like a picture of his wife nude with a bow around her chest saying happy birthday. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a really awkward and kick-ass present. <laughs> like, I don't know why uh, when we do that, but okay, I totally dig it. And so uh, any of you who want to send me your own... <laughs> nudies that's always welcome um okay so i on the way back i was primed to have a really great uh birthday because uh i was coming back into town i hadn't seen my family for a whole 24 hours Ah, you know whatever and um uh, I know my wife was slaving away making homemade lasagna just the way I like it, and she made an oatmeal mush cake just the way I like it, and the whole family was together and waiting, and so they lit the candles on the cake when I came home, and they sang happy birthday, and I was, there's this moment of sheer happiness that swells up from inside of me, and just like, I am such a lucky fucking person. And out of nowhere, uh, just, I don't even know why or where or how, a wave comes and crashes, knocking me on my ass. You do not deserve this. And I get up and I'm shaking my head like, what, what the fuck? This is stupid. Like, I earned this because I, I put in the time to develop a good relationship with my wife and with my family. And I work hard so that I can have the things and I is hit by another wave. I hate you. I get up and I don't, I don't know what the fuck is happening. I don't know where it's coming from. I, I should be having a really wonderful time and another wave hits me. You don't deserve this. And another wave, you don't deserve this. I hate you. And I'm trying to gasp for breath and my family is staring at me like I'm fucking crazy. And I can't collect myself at all in another wave i feel like i'm fucking drowning you don't deserve this i hate you i hate you and i fucking lose it i'm gone and i'm swept out to sea and i'm fucking drowning in just this sheer depression that came literally out of nowhere and i sort of put everything down in my daughter sorry i'm <clears throat> i'm kind of reliving it a little bit 
my uh, my daughter looks up to me. She's all, Daddy, why do you have tears in your eyes? And I'm guessing my wife thought it was because I was happy, but it was the sheer opposite. Just I couldn't even talk. I couldn't communicate. And I don't want my kids to see me when I'm that fucking low. And so I go and I grab my keys and I grab my wallet and I get in my car and I just start driving and they have no idea what the fuck is happening. And I'm just being hit by wave after wave of fucking just sorrow. And I don't understand it. And so I go to my, uh, there's a graveyard downtown Salt Lake where a, a friend of mine's buried. And so I went to there and I just sort of sat down and I, I let it just sort of pull me under and, and I did everything I could not to fight it because I know that when this happens, you just, you have to just sort of let it pass. Uh, eventually you'll come up and uh, I drive home and I think that I'm okay and I walk in and my wife is in tears. Did I do something wrong? What, what is happening? And I can't articulate what is happening to me in my head. And so I walk past her and I said, I just had to go for a drive so I didn't blow up. And I closed the door and I turned on some music really loud and I just sat in a dark room and just laid down and just let it kind of take its course. And when I had an opportunity to come back around, and it was a couple hours before I came back up for air, rationalizing, you know, why it's absurd that I should be in that place to begin with, I'm always kind of reminded of, you know, everyone's born with genetics, obviously. Um, you have certain inherent... Um, I'm just going to say issues that you're born with that you can't control. You you don't have any dominion over, whether it's physical or mental. And it's just things that in life you are forced to deal with whether you want to or not. And as a Satanist, it's a harsh reality because you see yourself as the highest embodiment of human life. You are your own God. And yet you are laid low by your own mind at times. And so... What, you know, what, what's important to keep in mind in these cases, and this is how I sort of get through it, is that you can't judge yourself by how you were born or how your mind works. You can just judge yourself by how you deal with those situations, those issues. And it's a testament to my family who is amazing and who puts up with shit like this from me. Um... And I truly appreciate that they do that, and it is really unfair, and it's not good, but I'd rather not be near them than infect them with my attitude when that happens. So just, you know, it, I bring stuff like this up to humanize the people behind this podcast, and I know that I'm not the only person that deals with stuff like this, and so maybe by hearing or seeing another Satanist take on what can really be perceived as a serious fault, uh, an individual fault, you can deal with it and you can manage it. You just have to make sure you don't affect those you love with it, with your own shit. You don't want to put your burden on them. But you know what? You, you can get through it and you can deal with it. Does this happen to you, Aaron? Uh, never that sort of suddenly. My depression, if you'll call it that, is... Um, 
sort of just a general malaise. Like I don't, that sounds kind of like an anxiety attack, which I've never had. So I don't relate to that. I don't know if you consider it that or just a wave of depression. I was just sort of identified, excuse me, as a wave of depression. I don't really know what, what it really is. I wonder if it was, have you ever had? No, I, I mean, I've, I've heard about panic attacks, you know, you sort of, you, you become anxious and you can't breathe and you start to freak out. But it wasn't really like that. It was just, it was just sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've dealt with that sort of depression all my life, but mine was definitely more situational and hormonal. Like I got really kind of crazy when I was about 13 and I, all the hormones were kicking in. Um, but then the older I've gotten, the less I deal with it, actually. And and ever since I started taking care of myself, that also helped a lot. Like, just... And, and taking care of myself, both physically and mentally, just being sort of like, you know, getting out of situations that were depressing, you know, to be really simple about it. If I were in a situation that were depressing, I, you know, I made a diff- I made a change and got out of that situation. And then generally the depression will go away. There are some things you can't escape though. Like, like I've talked about before, both my parents are dead and sometimes it just, I mean, I guess it does come and go with me now that I have talked myself into that, but yeah, sometimes I'll just be sitting there and, and I'll, uh, I mean, I have pictures of my family all, all, all around me at work and at home. And, you know, most of the time it's comforting and, but every once in a while I'll catch a picture, you know, of my mom and dad to get, you know, on their wedding day in the corner of my eye. And I just can't, take it you know I just can't handle how much it hurts um but yeah it's I'm much better these days Mm -hmm. I've dealt with a lot of issues that were making me sad um but yeah man it fucking sucks (laughs) do you have any tricks in your bag to help you deal with it other than just removing yourself from the situation uh I do, I do a lot of cognitive gymnastics now <laughs> where I can, I'm able to, where it used to be just a sort of feedback loop that I would get stuck in, in my head, just like, you fucking suck, like everything you do is wrong, and so sort of manifesting that. And of course, it's just evil thinking, you know, you're just hurting yourself over and over and you're your worst enemy. And so I would, you know, I learned to sort of um, recognize when I was doing that, when I was just in like this horrible cycle of eating myself alive you know so i would i would um you know find out when figure out when that was happening and do whatever i could to talk myself out of that (laughs) you know and people are really important to me um when i was younger and i was depressed a lot more often i would always um retreat you know and i would just want to be alone i didn't want to fucking see anybody um but i learned that that's really it's really dismal and it's lonely and that's the worst thing for me. What I have to do is force myself to be around people that I know care about me. Um, and even sometimes strangers, you know, sometimes I have to just force myself. Like I said, this is, it's been a really long time since I was like this, but I would have to force myself to just go to the grocery store <laughs> just so I could be around somebody. I, maybe the cashier would smile at me and I would make a human connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's, I mean, just behind what you're saying, I think is important. Is that there's a, there's a consciousness that is still alive when you're in those dark places in those dark times. Um, you just have to exercise that consciousness as much as possible. Rationalize where you are and what what is happening, and then just 
do everything you can to pull yourself out. So if that's like you were saying, dragging yourself into the public in some manner, um, that's going to do it. I, I mean, you know, when like I just walked out and I just stood in the kitchen and I just sort of surrounded myself with my family that what was great is that they don't ever directly address me about what's happening. They just sort of go about their lives. And I don't know if they do it because they're inherently trying to not instigate a problem or if they've just been around me long enough that they know the best way is to not address it and just to go on. And then I pick up on that sort of motion vibe of theirs to move past whatever it is. And so, yeah, I mean, just getting out and being around other people that either you care about or that are just completely indifferent to your situation. What I think would be the worst, the worst is to have someone sit down with you and hold your hand. What yeah. is going on? How can I help? What can I do? Like, shut the fuck up. Leave me alone. I don't want you here. But yeah. I'm, I'm lucky that my family doesn't do shit like that. No, yeah. it was really weird, man. It just hit me out of nowhere. And it was one of the worst ones I've had in a very, very long time. So yeah. I just, I had, had, had to bring it up. Um, all right, well, let's let's talk about what's coming up in the show here. Yeah. So I have a Nine Cents Letters. Interesting one. Um, <laughs> really interesting. It's, oh gosh, I'm, I have a feeling it's going to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> I have but, so many questions. <laughs> but so it's gonna be interesting uh at the top there you heard the darth vader drop of i would like if i made to take on a strange journey uh very cool <laughs> thank you all for that. that that's awesome and i actually have another one that was left on the google voice account you can leave your own at uh, 801-899-6168 that's a google voice account or you can email it to info at nine podcast.com thank you for all of you who contribute to these uh, top drops. It's really a lot of fun to hear different takes on it. There's some really wacky ones, which I actually kind of dig. So uh, do me a favor and leave your own if you have some time. Um, let's see. Agent Provocateur, episode 15, The Final Solution, Israel or Palestine. Darren Deicide is going to lay down the law. You're not going to want to miss this. And then at the tail end, of course, we have Aaron in the house. We're going to do a little episode 26. What's this one called? This is the Gandhi dancing in the hobo jungle part two. This is the I final salation. Yes. Yes. The return of the hobo jungle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> A nightmare in Gandhi dancing. <laughs> hey, did you see the new turtles yet? Fuck no. What do you mean? I haven't either. It's, I'm but it's like at the top. Shit. It is at the top of all the box. I don't understand. Like People I haven't seen it. So maybe that's why assholes. I don't understand, but. What? No. People are stupid fucking assholes is why. I don't get it. I don't know who these people are that are going to see that piece of shit. It looks so goddamn stupid and so it looks so goddamn awful. What is up with their nostrils? No. (laughs) (laughs) They did really reimagine. They took liberty on the style of the turtles. Yeah. It is weird looking. Like, it is really weird. I don't... It feels a lot... Yeah. Now, I don't have any connection to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles either. I, it may be that I'm a girl because I think that shit was for boys. But I'm not. I'm usually the type of girl who liked all. I liked all the boy stuff. That's you know why I hang out with dudes mostly. I had a brother, and I didn't watch girl shit. I watched dude stuff. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was way outside anything I would be interested in. I, the toys were kind of neat. I guess the toys, but. So is there anything out right now that you're interested in? You're looking forward to? 
Ugh, no. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm so done looking forward to movies. We, we went to see Boyhood last night. Have you heard of this one? Um, no. The Richard Linklater, his new one. He's the guy that did, like, um, Days and Confused and um, oh. Slackers way long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. Most recently, Bernie, uh, which was a fantastic movie. I think I recommend to anyone. But this one was, okay, so the, the deal was that they filmed it over 12 years with the same actors it was like um yeah so that you watch a boy virtually i mean grow up i guess literally but i, I hate saying that word but <laughs> watch him grow up on camera um i was really excited to see this and it was about a hundred hours too long at least it was a hundred hours <laughs> But I get it. Like, I guess if you invest 12 years into a movie, you're going to make like a three and a half hour movie because you're just like, I fuck you. You're going to watch almost every second of this that I filmed. So what were some of the highlights? Um, Patricia Arquette is in it and she's gorgeous and awesome. I love her as an actress. And actually, Ethan Hawke was pretty good in it. I don't normally... I could take him or leave him, but uh, he was really good in this role. And um, but I think it just it it was really like sort of ham fisted with the cultural references. Like they were constantly showing like videos from that time and like kids like watching a Lady Gaga video on their iPhone to to make sure that you know that it's that time. And you know, and I was just, that's gimmicky and kind of the hacky, and I it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But but I do I found myself thinking about it all day today. So maybe it was. A good movie, it just needed to be much shorter. It's, I think it's weak storytelling when you, you have to stretch a movie out at, at, as long as three hours. You're doing something wrong. So, what, I mean, is there like a, like a theme to it? Is there some sort of just, culmination point? It's a, just a boyhood. It's You watch the kid grow up. It's just sort of everyday normal situations and shot very like, you know, cinema verite. You know, almost just like being following a kid around with a handheld camera. Um, so that's the gimmick is that you just watch this kid. I don't know. He was maybe five to 17 or something like that. Um, but it's just kind of, it's kind of gimmicky if you ask me. I mean, it, it's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't sound interesting at all. What made you guys want to see it? Um, I don't know. Because I like Richard Linklater for the most part. Like he's made a lot of silly movies, but I really liked Bernie and I thought maybe this was gonna, I mean, it, I, I like slackers at slacker. I forget if it's plural or not. Um, I liked it at the time, but it it also was very slow. But the movie Bernie that he, I think, was kind of his most recent, and at least it was the one I was most recently familiar with, was really great. And Dazed and Confused, I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the problem with this movie, Boyhood, was that it was sort of um, a different generation than mine. I couldn't relate to this kid at all. Like, they were showing him as, like, a... I don't know, an eight-year-old going to some Harry Potter thing where he's dressed as Harry Potter. And I was like, oh, that wasn't me at all. Like, I was entirely too old for shit like that. And that's when it dawned on me, like, oh, this movie isn't for me. This is for someone a generation younger than me. What the fuck? But anyway. <clears throat> and that was a national release? Yeah, sure. I, I think so, yeah. So Weird. I don't recommend it. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I will definitely stay away from it. Whew. All right. Well, <laughs> that's confusing. I don't know why you would do that. Like, there, people are so boring inherently. I know. And what's funny is that he 
turns into a really bad actor. And it's sort of just like, I guess I had no way of knowing that, at, at, you know, at five, I guess he could act all right. But by 17, I thought he was terrible. He was him with the scenes with Ethan Hawke. You're just like, wow, Ethan Hawke looks like fucking Al Pacino over here because the kid is just so bad. But uh, yeah, I actually, I, but I guess I like, he was, hmm. sorry, go ahead. Oh, I guess the kid was also on Weeds. So he actually is a professional actor, but I didn't know that until afterwards that Wait, he actually. Kid? I don't fucking know, dude. I never oh. watched the show, but Josh told me, no, that kid's actually an actor. And I was really shocked because I thought he was just some kid that they took a chance with. But that's weird. So so it was an actor who had right. other actors around him that they were like, hey, let's see a normal life of a normal kid, except for the fact that he has actors around him and he's an actor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, it's just the story of this boy, and he's an actor, but, yeah, yeah, it's, it could have been good, I, it just was, they needed to trim the fat a little bit more. Well, I'm glad you told me not to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, who knows, I mean, it, it's, it might be something you'd really like, but to me, it was just kind of, <laughs> I would not have sat through three hours of that shit. Um, Yeah. There's no way. Like, I have far too many things to do. And if nothing, I could just beat off. And it would be so much more enjoyable. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> three hours? Right. Well, you know. Okay. Minus a couple of refractory seconds. periods. But yeah, I mean, not, not all at one time. You'd be I a little mean, sore. I got you. <laughs> let's do a little uh, nine cents letters on the beat off note. <laughs> oh, let's. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Saint. Alright, so nine cents letters. Uh, I got a letter from a gentleman. So I get a lot of emails from you guys, and I really, truly appreciate them. Even the poorly written ones, I actually do really appreciate them. This one, um, it's a little weird. Uh, and it's long, so I'm not going to give you all of it. I'm just going to give you sort of what I believe is the heart of it, and then we'll, we'll talk about that, um, Aaron. So... Here it is. I've attended several sermons and studies now from local churches in a desire to not only experience the environment that is being promulgated to the congregations, but more importantly, to listen, record, research, and review the sermons and lessons being presented by current day clergy. My reviews are of the entire service from arrival to end, and the first couple I chose to attend with friendly acquaintances requesting to join them at their places of worship so that I might broaden my perspective. I include the verse, book, if, edition, if editions change, and relation inferred by the pastor or speaker, as well as my own reflection afterward during the construction of my review. I do my best not to rant and rave, calling to be called every word said, but simply to inform and present for consideration to others the words as they were offered to me. I also throw in my own dark brand of inappropriate and blasphemous humor as parts allow. I find it incredibly entertaining and worthwhile to know your enemy and being a, and this is a, I'm going to read it as written, a goat amongst them, but I'm sure he meant God, is an interesting experience. I cannot be the only Satanist to have thought of mingling with the flock 
and hearing what they have to say, it is important to have a proper perspective based upon experience, logic, and direct interaction with something you decry. And so, uh, to put a little context around this, he was curious why they were so hypocritical. So he had an idea of attending each sermon and then writing a, I guess, an essay about each sermon, <laughs> sort of crystallizing. I, I'm, I'm guessing, Aaron, what was <laughs> hypocritical. But so, what do yeah. you think about this? I think this is hilarious. I think, I think he, you know, he wants to be. I have so many questions for this guy. I'm assuming it's a guy, right? I'm, I'm just gonna think, assume. Yeah. Um, but um, I wonder what his motivation is. I'm really curious. I mean, I guess I think I guess it's a sort of homework, right? Is his point? He was he's going to these churches because he finds that arguing with believers is difficult because um ostensibly they know the bible better than he does so he wants to go to churches to sort of get fodder for arguments with believers so that he can then like quote from specific bible passages or whatever quran yeah passages. on the off chance that they don't know that he can right. point out their their fallacies yeah their hypocrisy yeah so i guess he's like a spy in the house of god um which i think is just a hilarious notion i think i don't know what i don't know that seems what do you what do you think about it <laughs> colossal waste of time that's <laughs> uh, well i mean cool. look at it this way if you're gonna believe in an invisible person that defies logic you will never be able to logically connect with that person like they have they have separated themselves from logic so being able to point out verses of their own book which are so apparent anyway that defy their behaviors and thoughts and beliefs they're inherently there and they don't see them why do you think that by you saying it they'll believe it and more importantly why are you focused on your own life on your own successes why do you care about the herd i don't get it i don't get it. i know okay so Let's see. When I was 17, I <laughs> this is gonna be sound weird. Uh, just take it, take it in, in the manner it's intended here. Uh, I was released from a mental hospital. <laughs> Sounds I, uh, right. So I did a lot of drugs as a kid. I don't know. Did we? I did a lot of drugs as a kid, and my I, my it was right about the time my friend killed himself, and so I was going through some dark times. My parents thought I should go see someone, and I was on acid when the dude interviewed me and so I was seeing things in his painting that weren't really there and he brought my mom in and said look we should probably institutionalize this kid and so they did and so as soon as I got out um why the fuck did I mention that what where am I going with this oh so I was convinced because that's about the time that I started realistically looking at Satanism about for what it really is, not what I wanted it to be at that time. Um, and so I, I don't know, first phase people sometimes, and that sounds negative and I don't mean it to be. I'm just saying that when you work through Satanism, everyone does it a little bit differently. A lot of people find it so empowering that they want to sort of hammer what they see as the opposite in their lives. For this guy, I'm making an assumption that it's Christianity in general. So he wants to sort of hammer these Christians, which I, you know, sometimes people go through that. I went through it. I called my local bishop that my parents went to the, their church and I wanted to argue with him as soon as I got out of that uh, institution and just sort of, I, I wanted to make him look stupid to make myself feel better. But I was a kid. 
I'm, I'm hoping that you're a kid doing this because if you're a grown man or woman, you need to focus less on other people and focus more on yourself. If you're a Satanist, it doesn't matter what other people think or what other people do. You should be focusing on improving yourself, improving your station, becoming the best version of you that you envision. So that's that's kind of but what I see. I, I, I think maybe he's um, offering this as a service to other Satanists or just other people in general who, who find themselves arguing with um, Christians a lot. I think that's kind of what he's doing is, is writing. That's why he goes back and writes reviews, just like a movie reviewer, I suppose. He kind of wants this to give this information to other people who like arguing with stupid people. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. In yeah. that way, maybe it is sort of a you know, not just a waste of his time. Maybe he thinks he has a greater purpose. Well, there's nothing wrong with... I mean, okay, so it's a little solipsistic to think that everyone else is going to be into what you're into. Um, uh, I think that's why he's asking, though. He's kind of yeah. asking, do you think it's worthwhile he's saying, that I... If it's something you're interested in, I can send you one of my reviews. Um, I don't know what for consideration means. I don't know if this is a suggestion at, you know, being on the show or if it's <laughs> opinions I, that he's trying to garner or something. I'm going to take it as opinions. Um, I do get some people asking if they can come on the show and I appreciate it, but I don't, I don't do a lot of interviews nowadays, so I don't really have a lot of time to do that. So I appreciate the interest, but if it's just for a review of a sermon, I have zero interest. I don't care what other people believe. It. I, I have far too much going on in my own life to concern myself with what other people believe or to argue with them. That, I mean, that's so... It's, it's so, such a waste of time. Do you know people, um, Aaron, that, that actively look forward to arguing with Christians? No, not personally, no. But I, I know that they exist. I've seen that <laughs> online. But no, gosh, no. I don't know anybody who would do that. Not even for fun. <laughs> like like as a, as a troll, if you will. No, nobody. It's a stupid yeah, so, waste of time. <laughs> so I don't want this guy to feel like he's wasted his time if he's interested in this. Then obviously keep doing what you're doing if it's, it brings you some yeah. form of pleasure. That's, that's awesome for you. I'm not interested. I don't know anyone who likes to argue the points. And it's only because we have, by and large. We, we have argued the points. And we, we have tried to bring a, a rational thread to these people that are just plainly crazy out of their fucking batshit mind, crazy minds. They're, it doesn't make any sense. They believe in insane things. So to think that your logic will bring them back even, and it's just not realistic in any way um but okay if, if you're going to do reviews if anyone's interested in hearing his reviews shoot me an email i'll forward the emails on to him and if he sends them to you then congratulations you guys can connect up that way but yeah uh, I, I think it's a waste of time and I, i'm really not interested but i do appreciate you bringing it forward and i don't i don't want you to take this as like me looking down on you i mean we all have different passions so you know, if this is a passion of yours, that's great. It's just not a passion of mine. Nothing good or bad about it, just not for me. Um, Aaron, do you uh, have any words of advice or anything for this gentleman? Uh, no, I think you get. I think you covered it. I, I would definitely. Well, I would advise him to stop um, arguing with Christians because he's never going to win. There's 
like you said, there's no logic to their thinking and there's no way to argue with illogic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for writing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It sounds so negative. I don't mean to be. This is not for everyone. It's it's really niche. I mean, if you were to write me about uh, quilting baby clothes, I would be as disinterested as I am in arguing with Christians or reading reviews of sermons. Like I would, I would love to find out like years from now that he really was onto something and there's a whole <laughs> new market that he is like yeah. captain of captain of the team for yeah. <laughs> he's making hand over fist and just replaying your, your mocking answer to his letter <laughs> while he punches yeah. a side of meat. <laughs> you thought this was stupid fuck you <laughs> yeah totally he's gonna be at his first like book signing he's a New York Times bestseller uh, sermons in review is the name of the book title <laughs> and he's like millionaire and he's like this is what a douchebag said <laughs> that this was a waste of time and he just plays us bantering back I and love forth. it <laughs> I hope he. I hope he understands that we're not. This is not mocking laughter. I am actually really on his side, and I want him to humiliate Adam at some point. That's. <laughs> really, is that his side? Is to humiliate me? I guess it is now. <laughs> Damn it! All right. Well. Best of luck. There's the challenge. Gauntlet has been thrown. Uh, let's do a little agent provocateur. Right on. I am not a liberal nor a conservative. I am not a Democrat, nor a Republican. I am not a Socialist, nor a Capitalist. I am not an Authoritarian, and I'm definitely not fighting for your cause. I belong to no party, I support no politicians, I am loyal to no state, and your cause celebra means nothing to me. I am Darren Deicide, Agent Provocateur. Welcome to Agent Provocateur, transmitting deep from my secret underground lair position somewhere in the tundras of remote Siberia. I am your host, Darren Deicide. I don't have Nielsen to do ratings for me, so I tend to track my listenership by hate mail. You know what they say about the line between love and hate. Anyway, I received no more feedback of any episode I've ever done than the episode entitled Zionism's Free Pass Gets Revoked. In that episode, I deconstructed the double standard that many have towards a strange manifest destiny religious movement. Some people like to claim it's not a religious movement. I call them occupation deniers. Much like the lands right past the green line, their minds have been settled. So, I expect this to be a doozy. I expect to become the Santa Claus of hate mail for this episode entitled The Final Solution, Israel or Palestine. No subject gets people more flared up than this one, so naturally, I'm going to throw some more wood on the fire. I excel at this. I love to make you see something that is the forbidden, that thing that your superiors told you is the absolute truth. The public has a religion sometimes, even when their gods are secular. And today, I'm going to paint a picture for you that no one has even considered. On July 8th, 2014, Israel launched Operation Protective Edge. Ooh. 
I don't know who's doing PR for these operations, but it sounds to me like they've been writing Kenny Loggins tunes. Conservative estimates put the death toll to 1,900-plus Palestinians, exceeding a 30-to-1 kill ratio, over half the amount of civilians killed in the World Trade Center, and a higher ratio from the second intifada, which was a higher ratio than the first intifada. Well done, Israel. They're trading up prizes at the carnival stand. Unless your head is firmly wedged between your own ash cheeks, you know this will ratchet up resentment in the Arab population for whom the time-tested method of asymmetric warfare will be a viable option. No, it's not a crazy theist thing. The NLF strategized suicide attacks against Americans during the Vietnam War. Theism didn't play a part in it. In World War II, the Japanese had kamikaze pilots that deliberately flew their planes into American warships, not for God, but for the fatherland. Study history and pair examples before you make assertions. I will beat you in the head with my political science books until you understand these very simple rules of logic. Also, read The Lucifer Principle by Howard Bloom for a more psychology and evolutionary biology point of view on why asymmetric warfare works. Or just ask a pro-war Russian that fought against Afghanistan in the 90s why it works. So, as I contemplated the next inevitable suicide attack on American soil that I am so safe from thanks to my padded bunker here in remote Siberia, I began to construct a solution to this problem. I think I have it. You see, I'm a classic libertarian, folks. Like the Founding Fathers, I see the promise of a republic that could be a prosperous beacon of fierce independence to the world. As Thomas Jefferson said in 1820 in a letter to Korea de Serra, our circumstances, our pursuits, our interests are distinct. The principles of our policy should be so also. Or as he said very succinctly in another occasion, peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations, entangling alliances with none. Indeed, as James Madison wrote in 1795, no nation could reserve its freedom in the midst of continual war warfare. Most people view current events through the microcosm of the moment because they either are wholly ignorant of history or have the memory of a goldfish. However, the rest of us know that fighting over this small parcel of land has been going on for thousands of years, mostly thanks to religious whack jobs who have erected edifices and monuments all over it, claiming it as sanctified ownership. Today, the mechanism is the same, though the money motives have changed. In other words... The profits are the same, but the profits have changed. I'll let you chew on that for a second. It is clear that the major Semitic religions are not letting this go, and are determined to rip the rest of the world into their bloodbath. So I have found a solution that is going to satisfy everyone. America is going to regain its independence, and we are going to settle this question of whether that stupid piece of land is Israel or Palestine. Like all revolutionary social programs from the New Deal to the Federal Civil Rights Act, implementation will be slow and transitional, but well worth the outcome. So bear with me, folks. Your non-cooperation will be met with National Guard and SWAT, so I suggest you all go along with the program. First, we account for the entire American budget spent on grants and handouts to Israel's military and freeze all spending. I also ask that Russia, Iran, and China do the same for the Palestinian side. Everyone show your hand. 
There's no need to hide anything anymore. Like I said, we're going to solve this problem once and for all. The Iron Dome program that is primarily funded by U.S. tax dollars was recently approved by Congress for a budget increase to $131 million. During Operation Protective Edge, $225 million in emergency funds was then passed during Operation Protective Edge for a whopping grand total of $356 million American tax dollars. I was at the firing range recently exercising my wonderful Second Amendment right when I decided to do some price shopping. A police-issue 9mm semi-automatic handgun, top of the line with all the nice features and safeties, runs at approximately $1,000. With the money we are currently blowing on the Iron Dome system, you can buy 356,000 of those. Not bad. Well, that accounts for the Iron Dome money. You're probably wondering why we're stockpiling small arms here. Don't worry, folks, I got this. Russia, Iran, China, anyone supplying the Palestinian side, under our new treaty, you will be doing the same. Load up on the cheapest Russian-made arms you can find and give them out to your jihadis. Everyone is going for a ride. Those of you who have worked towards the continued financial support of Israel's war endeavors We've got flights booked for you. That's right, your citizenship has been revoked on the grounds of treason. I am following Commander-in-Chief Thomas Jefferson's orders. I don't make the rules, I merely enforce them. You're going to Israel and your passport is the 9mm. Enjoy! You're finally putting your money where your mouth is. Must be a dream come true. Russia, Iran, China, and any other country that has largely been implicated in arms shipping towards jihadi movements do the same. I think once I get to the end game here, you'll see it is largely worth it. Now, the rest of the budget that is normally spent on Israeli aid is going to go towards the construction of a wall. No, not the apartheid wall that is being constructed around the West Bank and Gaza. This is going to go around all of the borders of all the disputed territories. In fact, let's take apart the apartheid wall and use pieces of it to help construct the new wall that is going to go around the entire area, which I am now renaming End Times Fun Land. Yes, until this is settled, I refuse to acknowledge Israel or Palestine. Instead, I will merely acknowledge it as a theme park, End Times Fun Land. End Times is a name that acknowledges their scriptures. Fun Land acknowledges what this means for the rest of us. Unlike most theme parks, though, nobody, and I mean nobody, is going to enter or leave this theme park. No one is leaving until this score is settled. Okay, so we got it. Israel is fenced in permanently, and everyone is armed to the gills. All of the major American Zionist Israeli supporters that have fobbed off America's independence to support their weird religio-racial fight have been deported on treason and given 9mm. Those who resist the policy will be dragged from their Upper West Side Manhattan condos by the scruffs of their neck, Elian Gonzalez style. The apartheid wall is gone, so the borders between the West Bank, Gaza, and Israel are porous, allowing for a free-for-all. Well, we're not at the free-for-all stage yet. We're going to need a bit of UN cooperation on this, but if the UN is willing to carve out a program like Oil for Food, I'm pretty sure we can get behind this. I'll deliver a speech to the floor if necessary. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Ladies and gentlemen of the UN, we're all clearly sick and tired of this shit in Israel and the Palestinian territories. All our countries are being swept up in the fallout of their religio-racist quackery and nothing we do or say is convincing them to stop. It's not as if they paid attention to any of the laws or treaties we enact or they sign in the first place. Let's call the whole thing off. The UN floor will undoubtedly clamor in a standing ovation and agree. It's time to make an exception for this area of the world and completely disregard international law. We're throwing all the books out. As I said, the books never mattered to begin with, so there's no point in crying over spilt milk. So, everyone is armed within the walled-off Israel-slash-Palestine. We've suspended the pretense of international law in that one area. Now it's time to settle this once and for all. It's a battle to the death. The winner takes all. No rules, lots of weapons. And if it is possible that one group of people manages to slaughter off the rest, the score is settled. Every man, woman, and child would be hunted down for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It'll be every zealot's dream. Now I have one more piece of this puzzle that will put the cherry on top of the Sunday, bloody Sunday, nicely. Cameras. For those of us who aren't involved and have had to endure the endless slaughtering and finger-pointing from this nonsense, it is finally time that we might be able to sit back and reap some entertainment from all this. We put cameras all around the walls and film the action inside the walls on a 24-hour entertainment channel available to all of us on the outside. Okay, so you're wondering how we're going to budget this in. Alright, let's discount those 9mm. I was talking about a top-of-the-line 9mm earlier, the kind that police officers use that has multiple safeties and really nice action. A $500 9mm is going to jam up a little bit more, maybe cause a few accidents here and there, but that's all well and good for our purposes. Now we can get 712,000 9mm and ship out double the amount of ardent Israeli supporters from the US. And now their weapons may jam at a critical moment. They'll be squaring off with a Palestinian bearing a Russian-bought Kalashnikov in the hot desert, and their 9mm will malfunction right at the moment of truth. <laughs> Israeli blood goes splattering all over the desert sand. Good times. Great television. Now, I would be smug to not mention the inspiration for this idea, so we will name this new action-packed TV station the George Carlin Memorial End Time Station. I must acknowledge his contribution to this idea, and though, although we haven't quite learned enough from George Carlin's sage wisdom to actually implement such wonderful use of human voyeurism, perhaps one day this reality can come true. Day and night, people around the world can tune in and watch Israelis and Palestinians indulge their need for wanton destruction and murder from the safe comfort of their home. No more kidnappings, no more bombings, no more beheadings, no more planes flying into buildings for us. Now we sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Personally, I look forward to this. I look forward to sitting at home from the comfort of my lazy boy while the carnage ensues. I'm sure it'll be great. Mass executions, people running for the hills, starvation, trauma, and maybe, just maybe, it will come to an end. I don't expect it, honestly. The fun part is that I don't expect the programming on the George Carlin Memorial End Time Station to ever stop. If this ever happened, 
I would expect it to be an endless slaughter, a constant source of entertainment. But at least the rest of us won't be involved. And if it did happen, I do hope someday someone will finally satisfy the temptation to push that little red button that's been staring at them all this time. Well, go for it. All it takes is one wacko who hates life and is so deluded by religion and prophecy to just hit that button. And then the mushroom cloud will rise from Jerusalem as I nosh on my bucket of extra buttery popcorn in my living room. And for once, I will have something in common with American evangelical Christians who have supported Israeli aggression. For I, too, will see a silver lining in that mushroom cloud. Not because I think that the book of Revelations has finally been met, or that the sign of the second coming of Jesus is upon us. No. I will see the silver lining that finally this whole conflict has been decided upon and resolved. The George Carlin Memorial End Time Station will sign off, and I'll sleep like a baby, knowing that we finally found the final solution for End Time's Funland. This is Darren Deicide, signing off from the warmth of my Siberian bunker. Send your letters and petitions to President Obama. I'll start popping the popcorn. Good night. Alright, there you will. Sure you won't stay out in this blackout? Sure is dark tonight. Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine. See yourself! What are you doing out here? Oh, I'm, I'm headed down to the crossroads. <laughs> Wait, miss. You can't be. You're the... You're the devil. devil. But you're... You're beautiful. beautiful. Just sign here. Oh my god. Alright, welcome to Down to the Crossroads, everybody. This is your... <laughs> thank you, thank you. This is your good pal, me. And I'm here <laughs> to... Um, <laughs> I love spin me. Spin some tunes for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so everybody knows this is everybody. Everybody. Can you a, can you spin digital tunes? Uh, not literally. Yeah. I mean, I you mean, could like grab like, the window okay. and move it around in a circle, but it's not really the same as spinning a record. But I guess then it's you're really actually doing it yourself anyway. So. Yeah. All right. Sorry. My bad. I'm glad that we got a chance to work that out before the show started. <laughs> All right. So. Um. A part two of Gandhi Dancing in the Hobo Jungle. Uh, this is the first episode uh, I focused on the railroad workers, the people who are building the railroads and the songs that they sang. And now in part two, I'm going to talk about the people who rode the rails and who sang about riding the rails. So, so the first one was, I've been working on the railroad exactly. all the live long day. Like that was the first one, right? That was the first one. It was just that song. Three different ways. First, I sang it, and then Adam sang it, and then Adam and I sang it together Aww. in a round. <laughs> so those were the three songs last time, in case anybody didn't want to get caught up. 
Where can they hear these? <laughs> oh, you know, the usual places, uh, Facebook on uh, at Down to the Crossroads, and I'm on Twitter, uh, ChelseaGirl19. So, yeah, that's where I put all the Spotify playlists um, and all that jazz. And you don't even need Spotify to listen to this stuff, people. So if you're not already drinking the Kool-Aid, you don't have to. The Spotify right, Kool-Aid. Go to the list and you can YouTube, I think, YouTube all these songs on there. If you don't want to yeah. deal with Spotify at all. It's good stuff, though. All right. Okay. All right. Let's do this. I'm going to start with Sleepy John Estes and Hobo Jungle Blues. <laughs> you like that, don't you? That is awesome. So this is Sleepy John. He's been on before. I've played him probably maybe three other episodes as well. Uh, he's, oh, the harmonica? Yeah, that's that's uh, Hammy Nixon on the harmonica. He's He was a good friend of uh, of um, Sleepy John, and they used to travel the, the railroad together, actually. And this song is about that. This is about... Um, the Hobo Jungle was basically a name for the, um, like, rail, urban railroad yards. So, like, where people who are riding the rails would just sort of set up camp. And so they called that the Hobo Jungle. And, uh, you know, the, there was a lot of cool shit going on in those Hobo Jungles. There was, you know, refuge. There was camaraderie and sort of um, protection from what whatever people were riding the rails to escape. Um, but, yeah, the, the harmonica on this song is particularly impressive i always i i want like traveling the railroad to be this sort of like brotherhood thing but i mm. feel like in reality it's probably like super creepy and oh yeah and you're always kind of like eh, i don't know one two situations away from being raped like that's oh, for sure totally yeah. but and in my mind, I want it to be this sort of romantic traveling the country on your own terms doing your own thing oh god yeah I definitely used to want to ride the rails when I was like a young teenager, like 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I always loved the idea. <laughs> all my <laughs> years. All of the years, especially like, but of course it's sort of like, it's way past its time now. I wouldn't ever do it now, but I, in my imagination, it was back in the 1930s and 40s and, you know, I was running with a gang of like whippersnappers and yeah. You yeah, know, you went on there now. I mean, you're fucking prime meat for these disgusting well, I mean, people. First of all, I'm way too fucking old to run after a <laughs> fucking train and swing myself up. I can't even do a, a single pull up on a pull up bar. I'm not gonna ho hoist my fat ass up onto a caboose train. But but other than that, I guess I would probably get right too if I ever did make it up on a train. <coughs> so I'm glad that dream is dead. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but uh, Sleepy John Estes, the dream was still alive for him, so he would go around and play music. And um, you know, the cool thing about trap, like the musicians that traveled on the railroad, was that they would sometimes um, strike up a sort of mutual, uh, mutually beneficial arrangement with the brakeman or the conductors, and just sort of like, yeah, you can hop on this train for free. Uh, as long as you entertain me and entertain the other people on the train. So it was a, it was kind of a neat little thing that they'd set up. So, you know, the railroad is sort of in, inexorably linked to the blues and the blues to the, um, the railroad in a lot of ways. You know, it's a lot of the slaves and the ex-slaves and the prisoners built the railroads. And then 
then they would get on the railroad and travel it and use it. And so, you know, the, it was a great sort of symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Well, that was a really good track. Really good track. Yeah. I like that song a lot, but oh. sleepy John he's one of the best. I've, like I said, I've played him a couple times before at least. So do you have a favorite that. railroad scene in a movie? Oh, what a good question. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of great Yes. <laughs> okay. Isn't that yes. Good? <laughs> all the scenes. There's a, a bunch of scenes, but especially like the one where they all get dragged off because they're <laughs> on the chain gang. And <laughs> um, George Clooney is so fucking good in that movie. I don't. I, it pains me to admit, but he is just phenomenal in, in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I, I it's love insane how good he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's great, and they the Coen Brothers use him to great effect. You know. Putting him in a comedic role, like they did with Brad Pitt for uh, Burn After Reading. You're just like, oh, God, he, they really can pull this off pretty well. <laughs> but uh, I throw Mama from the train. There's some great train scenes in Strangers. Oh, that's such a good show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I feel like that no one knows that show. I, I never hear anyone talking about it. I can't believe you brought that up. Seriously, <laughs> listeners, if you haven't seen Throw Mama from the Train, you need to go see that show. It is well, it's, amazing. It's a- it's a brilliant parody of Strangers on a Train, which is awesome because that's a fantastic movie. And Patricia Highsmith, who wrote the book that the movie is based on, is one of my favorite authors. But then the fact that they parodied it and to a fucking... I mean, it's not like a like shot-for-shot shot sort of parody. It's sort of mm-hmm. loosely. But it's... And it's to do it and do it so funny. Like, Danny DeVito... Usually I, I want to punt him off of a very high <laughs> ledge um, or drop kick him, you know, because he's so little. But yeah, normally okay. I don't like him all that much, but uh, he's so great. Uh, it's just a funny fucking movie. <laughs> oh, that was such a – Billy Crystal is great in that? Yeah. That's a hard thing for me to say, but he, yeah, he was great. I don't love him <laughs> either. But, um, yeah, I mean, both of them, I mean, they're really situationally brilliant. Like, they have yeah. to be in the right role. I mean, DeVito, I think, in that show was really great uh, in, um, oh, gosh, what was the... Taxi or it's <sighs> no. Sunny in Philadelphia? Well, okay, well, I don't <laughs> think he's good in it, the Philadelphia at all. But no. he's just comedic. I mean, that's you don't have to be good. You just have to be stupid, and that's kind of what that's he is. Fun. He's just dumb. <laughs> um, no, the one with Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas. Oh. Uh, was it Romancing the Stone? Yeah, Romancing the Stone. I okay. actually did like him in that. <laughs> I loved it. But he wasn't like trying to be them. overtly like, I'm a comic. You know, he, he was just a clown. He was a just weird a character. actor. Yeah. So that's yeah, when I so think anyway. he shines. <laughs> Great show, though. Oh, gosh, yeah. I was going to say, oh, brother, where are there, too, to be quite honest. Oh, yeah, that's good shit. Such All a right. good railroad show. You want to hear the second one? If you are you say, you're just saying show like because you know it bothers me now right because you said it like fifteen times in this episode really <laughs> I, for a movie you keep saying show <laughs> I think it's just because you know I'm just like it, what I get confused I have every to time be honest with you I don't even think about it like <laughs> well, in my mind it's interchangeable it's all timed entertainment so I do not even see a difference that is so weird I've just never <laughs> heard it called that. <laughs> I've had people write in about that, by the way. Are they like, this should be an ongoing gag. Like, every time you say show and she calls you out, you just ignore her and move on. <laughs> it's TVs. TVs have shows. 
movies are movies. They're movies or films or flicks, but they're not shows. So what separates a flick from a film from a movie? Nothing. They're, it's interchangeable. It's interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. You're insane, dude. I don't know. Do you, does the rest of your family... Are you the only person you know that uses that word? You're the only person that's ever brought it up, so I, I've never thought about it. I have no idea. Everyone's, everyone's always been too polite to say anything. Yeah, everyone's, they're like, he's fucking crazy. Why does he keep doing this? I, I like there's there was a TV show called Threat Level from the Train. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we move on? I guess I'd, I'd kind of like a harp another forty minutes if we can on show versus movie, but I could do it. I got a script <laughs> written out. No, I, I actually do really want to hear this next one. Okay, all right, let's do this. Railroad Bill, you're going to love it. So what we have here is sort of um, almost the uh, proto-blues ballad. Uh, it, it's it's a, cheating a little bit to call this blues because it's really, um, you know, this is 1929. It's kind of... Um, the, the the birth of the blues is right around this time. So this is a this is a ballad. Um, it's a really interesting story. This guy Railroad Bill was you know based on a true story. This guy named Morris Slater, I guess. Um, it's from this great this place called Teaspoon, Florida, which I I want to live in Teaspoon, Florida. But they've uh, they changed the name. It's not called Teaspoon anymore. But in my in my heart, it's still called Teaspoon, Florida. <laughs> but uh, he 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 was this. Um, he was a train robber and a murderer, and he uh, he worked on a turpentine farm as a convict lease worker. That was a so in Alabama, you could companies or or individuals could pay money to the government in exchange for a prisoner. <laughs> so they would just lease a prisoner, and they would uh, you know they would be convicted, and the the day that they were convicted, um, their entire sentence was spent on like a farm or the lumber yards or the coal mines, wherever this, whoever buys you, you just work for them the duration of your sentence, which is fucking insane to me. Legalize slavery. Yeah. It's just like rent a, rent a peckerwood or I guess. Peckerwood? Um, rent it. Yeah. <laughs> that's isn't that, isn't peckerwood supposed to be like a white boy? Yeah, but it's like prison slang, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine I these are black folk, so they yeah, would have no, used a different term. I definitely, I was just uh, <laughs> trying to come up with a prison word, and that was the first one. <laughs> but anyway, so... Peck a wood. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's what... Okay, so Morris Slater was a, a, a lease, convict lease worker in Alabama, and um, he ended up killing, killing a guy and going on the run, and he spent about four years on a killing and robbing spree, and eventually was killed by the police. But So this song is about that, but... What's interesting about this song, besides the fact that it tells a great story, it's a you know it's a ballad, and like I said, it's sort of the pre-blues ballad, where this you can almost see the the bridge between just sort of folk music and the blues right within this one song, and it, it makes it really fascinating because he's sort of so um, so most folk songs were about other people, you know, they're sort of telling the story of John Henry, or you know, they're focused on a specific character or a specific event like the sinking of the Titanic, for example. Um, but this song, he's te- he starts, she sort of starts out that way, singing this um, story about this sort of mythological character, the railroad bill. Um, but then he starts taking on the first person and he starts talking about what he's going to do. And he sort of intertwines this story of Railroad Bill with his own narrative, you know, and, and his own personality traits. And he's sort of, a, you know, he's sort of taking on the characteristics and uh, 
the, you know, the, th- the thing that sort of separates just folk music from blues is that the blues singers express their own emotions and their own experiences where ballads were telling other people's stories and sort of within the song, you can see where the two of them sort of come together and, and they come out the other end of the blues. Uh, so that's really fucking cool about this song too. That was great. Yeah. I, I mean, to be quite honest, I do definitely prefer a straight blues song than, you know, to a ballad, but that was really mm-hmm. good. Uh, this next one though, I love this man. <laughs> you like this man. All right, yeah. let's play that. Cool. Yeah, here he is. So everybody's heard Wine Willie McTell by now. Anyone who's listening to Down at the Crossroads, that is, because I've played him several times. Um, and thank you for it. You're welcome. I do that for you. Mm-hmm. But this song's great because he talks about Baltimore, so that's cool. God, he's got such a good fucking voice. He's got a cool voice, but you know what's funny is every time I hear. Blind Willie Maytel, for at least the first half a second, I think I'm listening to the White Stripes because Jack White sounds so much like Blind Willie Maytel. He's almost just whole cloth taken Blind Willie Maytel singing style as his own. And really? I think I talked, yeah. Oh, my God. Listen to any uh, White Stripes song, any Jack White thing. You'll hear it within, I think, a minute. I'll give it, you know, a minute into the Jack White song where you go, oh, yeah, I, I hear it. I gotta be honest. I've I haven't knowingly heard any White Stripe ever. Um, I'm a huge fan. I have. It took me a little while to, to be able to cop to that, <laughs> but I I think Jack White and I know this sounds so silly, but I do I do think he's a genius. I think what he's doing with music and for music is really important, and I don't use that word lightly. I think um, you know he's doing a lot in the world to preserve music he does a lot to preserve record making you know which is you could argue is pointless you know there's nothing intrinsically inherently valuable about vinyl you know but people like it and he's sort of keeping the heritage alive and he also re-released a lot of um charlie Patton like um songs into it this beautiful box set and even with his new album he put like all this work into his new album that he just cares about shit you know and and that's important to me and he's a fucking great musician and he's got great influences you know he shares the same influences i do and i like that in my artists you know i want to i like listening to jack white songs and, and going oh i totally hear uh you know blind willie mctell or i totally hear charlie Patton, or i totally hear you know, heart even, you know, I like hearing, (laughs) I like when people, uh, wear their influences on their sleeves. I, it delights me. I love it. So Jack White is perfect for it. He's an incredible musician, incredibly competent. And he's also, you know, keeping music alive that I want kept alive. Oh, I've got to listen to some tunes then. (laughs) I'll send you a playlist, but yeah. So (laughs) anyway, less about Jack White. Uh, (laughs) So this is Blind Willie. He's playing the 12-string uh, guitar, which he normally does. That's kind of his thing. Um, you know, he wasn't a very good guitar player, and you can hear kind of right here where he's breaking it down and doing a solo. He's he's modestly skilled. I, I've seen it written. But what he was was a terrific singer, and he was very plaintive and mournful and, and sad. You know, it fits kind of <laughs> nicely in with the sorrow theme. You know, and this song is about you know, basically about he's trying to catch up with his woman who took off on, you know, she headed out to Baltimore and, you know, it's a sad song and he does it well, you know, with a lot of, um, 
a lot of blues singers they were they tend not to put themselves into the songs but i think blind willing tell was an exception to that well it was badass <laughs> pretty dope yeah. I, I love it I, I mean ever since you first introduced me I, i've been digging this shit well um that was great aaron thank you very much thank you no thank you no. Uh, if you guys love the down to the crossroads show <laughs> just gonna throw show in everywhere now um, whatever yeah let Erin know what you think check out her Facebook check out her Twitter it's Twitter right it's Twatter Twatter okay check out her Twatter page <laughs> that would be great I'm imagining what that actually is a, a Twatter page please do yes I'm, uh, please keep imagining <laughs> I'm liking it uh, no check her out on uh, I don't know Facebook uh, Twitter, uh, 9centspodcast.com. She posts all of the playlists there, and it's it's a lot of fun. And then if you pay attention to her on social networks, she actually posts a lot of stuff that doesn't make it into the show. Music and uh, I don't know if it's uh, like little news articles or just little cartoons or album covers or whatever it is, uh, events for uh, blues performers, stuff like that. Uh, check it out. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's stuff that you're not going to find anywhere else. And that is the value of Aaron uh, bringing Down to the Crossroads uh, alive in the world, not just on Nine Cents. It's really wonderful. Um, all right. So I've already said where. Can you give them the specific information one more time before we close it out? Sure. Uh, it's Facebook's at Down to the Crossroads and Twitter is Chelsea Girl 19 All right. Do yourselves a favor. Check Aaron out. And... <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds a little weird. Check her out. But seriously, if you get a chance to, oh my gosh. Uh, okay, and that's going to do it for another show. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it. I don't know. I'm assuming you hope they enjoyed it. I don't give a fuck. All right, well, she doesn't care. I, to be honest, I don't care as much as probably should. <laughs> but it would be nice. I would be pleased if you enjoyed it. And we would love to continue to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Mondays via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last Defense. FM, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. So look for us there. You can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents. And don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. You guys have done really good so far. If I could get a couple more ratings, you'd make me smile. And if you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. Remember, the only way this thing is going to continue, this thing, is Nine Cents, and you are a part of it. So share it. For all of you who are on a weekly basis sharing it and every other random thing that i comment on uh, i really appreciate that that's that's really badass of you thank you keep it up once again thank you for joining me and as always i'm your host adam campbell being joined by the lovely aaron the amazing aaron and until next week hail satan hail satan hail satan hail satan hail satan Hail Satan! Wait, hail Satan! <laughs> I said, can I get a hail Satan? <laughs>